Everything you know about health is about to change. Welcome to Straight Talk on Health with Dr. Vincent Medici. Sometimes people suffer, not from lack of faith, but from lack of knowledge. This is the show that changes that. If you are tired of being sick, tired of not getting answers, tired of spinning in circles, for healing is not a mystery. It is a miracle that you were designed to experience. It takes hard work and real knowledge. It takes patience and time. It takes the education this show can provide. So get it straight today. Here's Dr. Medici. Good morning. I'm Dr. Vincent Medici. You know me. I know most of you. Every show brings a bunch of newcomers. Welcome. Okay, what's the hot topic? How can I spin something into something you already think you know, but we'll bring you more deeply into your understanding. The word is insulin. Insulin. Now, everybody understands diabetes, and everybody understands you don't want diabetes, and even Kaiser Permanente will run some sort of inane, fairly useless test to determine some marker for it. Really, this is about blood sugar dysregulation. But what people don't get, and this is amazing, but, you know, it's the way it works. They don't get the difference between insulin and diabetes and high blood sugar. While the disease, yes, while the harm is done in part to having high blood sugar. Now, this one's pretty easy, right? The sugar level of the blood, which you can measure, is high, and that's neurotoxic. It destroys the nerve, and with that, a whole bunch of other things. I'm not going to discuss that today. What I want you to review is that insulin is secreted by the pancreas to circulate in the blood. And the reason when you eat sugary stuff, which includes carbohydrates, it includes yams, it includes fruit, it includes beans, it includes things that we're told are good for us, but which may be spiking our blood sugar up to the moon. When our blood sugar's too high for the body, and what's too high? Well, let's just say if it's over 100, it's too high. I don't think anyone would argue that. But once that blood sugar is over 100, once that blood sugar is moving too high, your pancreas puts insulin. It makes insulin in the island of Langerhans. It makes insulin, and that insulin goes to your cells and binds into receptor sites in the membrane, and that opens the cell to the sugar. The high blood sugar doesn't become low blood sugar, lower blood sugar. That blood sugar doesn't get into your cell unless the cell opens its membrane, opens doors, opens glute receptors, receptor sites. And the only way those doors on the cell open so the sugar can come down is if insulin binds first to the cell membrane. Now, that's pretty straightforward. You need insulin to get sugar out of the blood and through the membrane of the cell. Lots of things work this way. 
Lots of things need a series of receptors to get the job done. But the insulin blood sugar receptor is pretty simple. Okay, now, if a bunch of things happen when the sugar comes high, you got problems and you may not be aware of it and Kaiser Permanente may not be testing you for it. You know me and Kaiser, my good friend Kaiser Permanente, they care. So Kaiser then might not give you an understanding I'm trying to give you today such that you'll do something about it and get on the smart side of the fence. You're already in the good club because you're listening. All right, so what happens? When your pancreas secretes insulin, it may not be able to secrete enough insulin. That's a problem. But you know what? That's not usually what the problem is. There's other problems that are way more common that I really want to address. And that is that your cell membranes that want to bind to the insulin to let the sugar in, those cell membranes become insulin resistant. Now, what does that mean? It means if insulin knocks on the door, Insulin's knocking on the door. Honey, who's there? It's insulin. Nobody answers. And then you hear this instead. And who's there? It's two insulins, but the door doesn't open. And then there's three insulins and four insulins and five insulins. You've become insulin resistant. Insulin resistance can be because you're overweight. Insulin resistance can be because you don't exercise. Insulin resistance can be because there's a huge inflammatory process in the body competing with the same receptor sites for the insulin. Cortisol from stress can compete inhibitably with your insulin for the same receptor site. So, insulin's knocking, but lots of insulin's knocking, and the door doesn't answer. Sometimes the door doesn't answer because the door's already been opened to cortisol. And so on and so forth. There's a lot of reasons for insulin resistance. Once there's insulin resistance, what does your body do? Well, it's got an emergency. Because if the blood sugar gets too high, you go into insulin coma. Or you go into a, a coma caused by the fact that the blood sugar is way too high. So you have, a, you have a problem when you're in insulin resistance. And so what the body does is it makes more insulin. It's got to get the blood sugar down. And if you're insulin resistant, the body just keeps sending more and more insulin into the blood. So let's say you have a sugary carbo-like meal. Your blood sugar is up at 200. 
you can measure that. That's way too high, and you need to get it down. So your body secretes insulin, but it's not enough insulin because knock, knock, no one's answering the door. You're insulin resistant. So your pancreas has to put out more insulin, and it does. And most of you get that insulin down, get that blood sugar down. Now that insulin has done its job, but you had to secrete way too much insulin, and that's the problem. You got the job done. You brought the blood sugar down, but way too much insulin because of insulin resistance had to be secreted. This is the way lots of people live. Lots of people. And guess what? It's not really going to show up in fasting blood glucose. It's not even going to show up in the glycated hemoglobin. Would you believe that? Would you believe that? If you have an aggressive insulin response because you're capable of it, and you have to have an aggressive insulin response because you're insulin resistant, it will not show up in the glycated hemoglobin. It will not show up in fasting blood glucose. It won't show up. It will go undetected from age 30 to 40 to 50 to 60 to even 70 years old. It astounds me how this is overlooked in medicine. It's astounding to me. I'm always astounded. I shouldn't be astounded. I see this baloney go on all the time. Now, what happens then if this isn't detected and you're always secreting too much insulin and succeeding then at bringing your blood sugar down? Well, then you live in a high insulin state. That's the disaster of the year. What most people don't understand is high insulin is not good. If you're supposed to need one microgram, and I'm just making this number up, one microgram of insulin through the whole day to keep your blood sugar low, under 100, and you're secreting 5 to 10 micrograms, even if you're capable of doing, which as my point is, many of you are, you're not going to do well. Why? Because insulin is the single greatest pro-inflammatory hormone the body produces. What do I mean by pro-inflammatory? I mean when the immune system sees too much insulin, it starts to trigger all sorts of responses. And one of those responses is it starts to deploy fibrin. It makes the blood thick. Fibrin is this little filament that's in the blood normally. It's part of the clotting, clotting mechanism. But if it's overdone, it's a disaster. The body becomes like goop. You know, goop, grease, sludge. This is one of the reasons when you go into that phase around the holidays, you think it's because you gained a pound or two. It's not. It means you've turned your blood to goop because 
the insulin dispensation is gone way up because you're handling more, you know, holiday, holiday fare, holiday meals. So insulin is a pro-inflammatory hormone. That's disaster number one. What does that mean in terms of propensity to disease? The question is, what doesn't it mean? The inflammatory process is foundational to almost all disease. So right there, you're in trouble. There's number one. You want to get COVID? Just spike your blood sugar and your insulin for two, three months and watch what happens. And of course, all the medical journals will tell you, as insulin goes up, the immune system becomes stupid. It becomes dysregulated. It becomes incompetent. Know what happens also. As insulin goes up, your thyroid production goes down. You make less thyroid hormone. As insulin goes up, you make less testosterone. As insulin goes up, it becomes more problematic for you to balance the amount of estrogen you make with the amount of progesterone you make. You see, the minute you start screwing up the hormonal system, insulin being a hormone that is part of this hormonal system, the minute you start screwing it up, all the hormones tend to bind to the same receptor sites that the other hormones do. You got to understand this. If you have a house and your house is a cell and you want to hear a knock like this, knock, 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 to let your friend in, but you don't hear that knock, but all you ever hear is... After a while, the repeated assault of... Instead of... After a while, that repeated assault will fool the cell. And the cell will start binding... To hormones it doesn't want to bind to. It'll bind to your cortisol. It'll bind estrogen instead of progesterone. Receptor sites tend to be interchangeable. This is called competitive inhibition, which is never explained correctly. I learned it in five different courses, and they botched up the explanation all five times. You see, competitive inhibition or having the door open to the wrong signal, thus my point, high insulin screws up all the hormonal system, is a matter of seduction. If you really want John to knock three times to come in and John's not around and Peter and Tom and Bill are doing that after a while they get in and Peter's one and Tom's another and somebody else is a third and it all gets messed up this is called a hormonal circus now it's hormonal insanity we call it hormonal imbalance now the purpose of the liver your high IQ liver if the liver's efficient, guess what? The brain's 
telling the liver in this insane imbalance forced by too much cortisol production, too much insulin production, insulin and cortisol competitively inhibiting each other and other hormones. This mess that occurs, the brain's watching it through the hypothalamus and saying, this is a mess. So the liver knows as these hormones filter through to cut them down to size. And guess what? All the hormones, few exceptions, start with cholesterol. All the hormones start as, ster- as steroids. A steroid uses cholesterol, the cholesterol molecule, to build itself. So what the liver does to compensate is it cuts everything down and hopefully helps you balance out this insanity you induced because insulin's too high and cortisol's too high and estrogen's too high and progesterone's too low and thyroxin's too low and so on and so forth. And collectively, when you add it all up, it's an absolute mess. So high insulin is a disaster, but it's never measured. Now, one thing you have to do is take an insulin loading test. That's right. Life extension. Pay for it yourself. You take an insulin loading test and you see when you eat how much insulin you produce. So you eat sugary garbage and see how much insulin over four hours you produce. They measure it. Then you compare it on another test to how much insulin you produce when you don't eat anything. Then you compare it to how much insulin you produce when you eat low glycemic foods. And then you lose weight. And then you learn to exercise with your heart rate up. And then you get your sleep. And then you build your health. And you know what you're going to find after a while? That any time you do an insulin loading test, you are heavily reducing, as compared to earlier, the amount of insulin you're secreting. Now, you know, if this is too complicated, and I admit it's a lot, but what's your choice here? To get the screw from these health care plans that, Measure your fasting blood glucose? Are you kidding me? I remember being a kid and my dad, who was very heavy, but as healthy as a bull. I mean, that guy could pack it in, pack it on, but he was a bull. I remember my dad, and he was he was definitely diabetic. But if you took his fasting blood glucose in the morning, it was normal. That was insane. And I remember being a teenager, understanding enough about it to say, if you're diabetic, how can your fasting blood glucose be almost normal? Because he wouldn't do the drugs. Dr. Edelstein used to tell him, Vince, you should be on meds. And my father was, screw your meds. I'm not going on drugs. He wouldn't do it until he was in his 70s. But he was diabetic at 40 or his blood sugar was dysregulated at 40 lots of people are like this they just don't know it 
And I remember him saying to my mother, yeah, but when I take my blood sugar in the morning, it's normal. So how can they call me diabetic? He didn't understand enough about it. But the bottom line is fasting blood glucose is a joke. They ought to skip that test. And I'm telling you right now, just because your glycated hemoglobin is normal and this thing where if it's under 5.7, you're fine, please don't believe that. That is a horrible mistake. 5.2 is about as much as it could get. 5.4 is a flag. But here's the thing. If the red blood cell, which is on, that's how they measure your glycated hemoglobin, that just means your red blood cell binds sugar through a glycation process, and they can measure the amount of that in that test. And so it gives them a sense of how often your blood sugar was hitting the red blood cell, and they can extrapolate out of that a number which says too much, too little, or normal, or healthy. But my point is, if your blood sugar is running too high in that moment, but you secrete insulin aggressively, you're not going to get the problem with your glycated hemoglobin. I promise you that. I promise you. That if your insulin response is powerful, and it can be powerful, you're destroying your health because you're over-secreting insulin because you're putting too much garbage in the blood. And you're not going to get a, a Q, glycated hemoglobin. You have to go to insulin. You have to measure insulin. Now, when you do enough comparative tests and you can see that that insulin has gone down and down and down, like year one to year two to year three, your insulin is like, you're not using a lot of insulin. That's insulin efficiency. That's the end of a pro-inflammatory state. And you will feel like a different human being. Now, there's a company, Life Extension, you don't need your medical doctor or anybody else to order your lab tests. You can go to Life Extension and order it yourself. And getting this insulin regulated and balanced is so fundamental to health that you got to learn this and you got to take action with it because in a year, while everybody else is worried about the variant, if you brought your vitamin D up, if you got six, seven, eight straight hours of baby sleep, baby sleep, if you reduced insulin, if you started exercising, if you got flexible, like really flexible, if you started having more intercourse, if you start at having more interface with real nature, if you just did those six things, you wouldn't be worried about COVID. You wouldn't be worried about anything. You'd just be worried or concerned about where you're going to put 
the second childhood of your life. And that's what people deserve, a second childhood. You see, the first 20 years, you get all screwed up. And the next 20 years, you suffer. And after 40, you have about 10 to 20 years to figure out how to undo the damage. So at the age of about 55 or 60, now you've got the wisdom to live good. But you got to have the health. And this most fundamentally is what I see as a doctor becomes the problem. A lot of people have the wisdom to have a great second childhood, but they don't have the health. And that competes with the dream. Because being a child is about having a dream that you know can come true. We all say this to each other after 60. Did your dream come true? We all know that being a teenager is about having a dream and feeling that no matter what that dream is, it will come true. Well, it's downhill from there for a lot of people. Because they have to focus on undoing the damage that was done. You can't have a dream as an abused child. So finally, you slide into age 60. Now you have the wisdom to make that dream come true, and you don't have the health. But you see, this is the new age. And just as certainly as this sin of the scandemic is upon us, just as certainly as there are so many things that are truly all the way up to that reptilian devil, just as true as all these things are, there's another side to it. And that other side is we've got the knowledge and the ability to do amazing things. There has been a payoff. Science, if viewed through the right lens, the moral lens, not the political lens, can offer you options. It's just amazing, and there's no end to it. There's no end to what the right viewpoint can bring you. So, life extension. Start measuring insulin. Start comparing your insulin outputs measured through life extension to different types of foods, to different states of health, and work on over the next year or two or three, getting the required amount of insulin production reduced. And you'll thank me for this show. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Okay, that's a wrap. Don't forget to get to Dr. Medici's website at drmedici.com to look at the pictures and review the show as often as you wish. See you next week.